right. Hello there, Bradley Hannon. What's going on, Lori? How we doing? Great. Make it make well, sense. Welcome to Make It Make Sense. So thank you for joining me to try to make this world make sense because um, it, it almost never does. This is like an endless, there are endless topics uh, to cover here, but thanks for joining me. And so share with us, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. There are a lot of things. We only, it's a short show. So I know you do a lot of things. You'll have to kind of cut it down a little. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know whether it's because I'm getting older or I've been humbled by, uh, you know, running into enough brick walls and, and realizing that I'm not invincible. But, you know, I'm just a guy that uh, stumbled into insurance at a young age and uh, did did pretty well with it um, through, you know, through, you know, kind of doing well with insurance. It, it blew the top off any limiting beliefs that I had. And so now I'm just pursuing, um you know, all that I can be, if you will, uh, through through insurance. So I've, I run a Medicare call center, as well as a couple of independent distributions in the health and life insurance space. So I'm having a whole lot of fun doing it. But, um, you know, you're a, you're an all star, too. And by the way, uh, when it comes to a podcast, having an unlimited number of topics that you can speak of is a really, really great thing. So make <laughs> it make sense. Make it make sense. Maybe the only part of the podcast that actually makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right. Because you also have a podcast. So Sarasota Ooh. speaks with an X, which I, I, am, I love when we can employ an X instead of a K. So um, <laughs> I support that. And you're a father of two and a dad and a husband. And I, you just, I don't, I don't think you sleep, but so. Thank that, you for highlighting the important parts because I, you know, just skip right over that. Right. It, you know, I was kind of like, we're in a podcast setting. So it's like, you know, we talk in business, but, uh, yeah. but yes, I'm a husband, I'm a father of two uh, beautiful boys. And uh, now I'm a baseball coach, which oh my. isn't what you think it is. Right. I signed up Not for at something. this age. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it is five years old. You would think that I just started another business because it requires uh, a whole heck of a lot of meetings and things like that. So uh, now I'm a baseball coach, too. So is it the type of baseball where everybody gets a trophy or is it competitive? It's competitive. You know, I wouldn't put my kids in anything, but uh, we did T-ball last year. So he's doing coach pitch this year. And um, and so basically coach pitch is like your first two or three games. They're not keeping score. They're not uh, there's no outs. They're kind of like scrimmage games. But after that, uh, we keep score. We have three outs. The yeah, ages are won. five to seven. And there's even playoffs in a championship. So um, um you know, okay. my business, my business might have to suffer for a little bit while I go after this championship. I imagine you'll just sleep less because I don't <laughs> think you can half-ass much that you do. So, <laughs> well, you. well, to that end, as busy as you are, I really appreciate you taking the time out and, and talking about everyone's favorite topic with me, which is healthcare in America. It's not everyone's favorite topic, but it's so necessary, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I feel like I say to clients often because they're they're almost kind of embarrassed. They'll say, I don't know anything about insurance. And I'm like, you and everybody else, like there is not an education for this. Everybody seems to have an opinion, but really nobody really understands it fully. Um, so you started in under 65 health insurance, right? And Correct. so yep. transitioned. Why? Um, so, well, I mean, I, I just, I, I kind of have an open mind and, um, you know, I see opportunity. One, one of the things that I will say, you know, my business partner, when I first started the Medicare call center that he, uh, you know, mentioned, he's like, man, I, I was, I, I knew that you would be great at doing this. 
I just didn't know, like, I knew that this would be a great fit for you. I just didn't know if you were going to be able to see the fit that it would be for you because of how involved you are in, you know, the independent 1099 distributions and under 65 health insurance and ACA and that kind of stuff. I just didn't know if you were going to see the opportunity for what it really is. And I think I just went into it like I go into anything, um, whether it be a conversation, whether it be a meeting, whether it be, you know, an introduction to to somebody that, you know, might help me uh, put together the next big deal, or I might help them put together the next big deal. Just go into it with an open mind and uh, a willingness to say, you know, hey, this may work out. It may, it may not work out, but we're going to, we're certainly going to give it every opportunity to be successful. So the Medicare call center was something that, you know, I, I thought that my skill set would, um, would be a good fit for, but also there's a huge need. I mean, there's a, a, a massive number of people turning 65 every day. I think everybody knows it's 10,000 plus people every day turning 65. Wow. Um, you know, we have a, I started out in telesales. Actually, I started out in telesales. I stayed in telesales and I never evolved out of telesales. Like I, I just does like sometimes agents will say, Hey, do we ever run face-to-face -face appointments? And I, and it's not that I'm against it. I'm just like, well, why would you want to do that? I don't really, I mean, by the time you get that That's person awkward. out of your, yeah, yeah, like by the time you get that person out of your office and they're telling you, you know, and listen, this is going to come off probably poorly, uh, but they're telling you about like their, you know, back in the day stories and whatever else, and they're dragging the meeting out. You could have called and 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 closed two other deals, and not that it's not, it's all about closing deals and making money or whatever. It's for me, it's about efficiency. So our core values are energy efficiency, excellence, and effort. We were talking about kids a whole lot. Efficiency didn't mean shit to me, you know, five years ago, six years ago, because why? Because I just slept less and I worked more hours, right? Now, even if I have, even if I do work more hours, those hours are like when my kids are sleeping, which is time that I wish that I was sleeping sometimes, or it's, you know, um, early mornings or whatever, because I have always said I'll be home when my kids, before my kids go to sleep and I'll be there when they wake up. Um, and for the most part, that always holds true. I mean, I'm home every night before they go to bed to tuck them in and, and have dinner, even if it's 30 minutes and I'm there every morning to wake them up and get them dressed for school. And, you know, I, th I think I'm not like patting myself on the back because that's not like, you know, setting the bar very high. Uh, but for the current phase of life we're in it, it, that's, that's my goal is to, is to be present with them you know, every moment that I can. So um, why Medicare? Why the call center? Um, I guess the, the simplest answer is because it it was a great opportunity that opened itself up. And, uh, you know, I went into it with an open mind and I'm certainly grateful that I did. So is which one's your favorite then? I can't, I can't really, I, I think insurance is insurance. I don't necessarily have a favorite, like as far as the vertical, like the 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 vertical that it is, but I definitely love the employee based model um there's good there's good and bad i mean it's it's a whole lot more uh like headache and you know hoops you got to jump through and stuff for certain things but it's also super rewarding because you know those those things that uh your independent contractor 1099 agent is not doing that you just wish that they would do or you know whatever to make them successful with a with a w2 employee like it's not that i dictate things and like, Hey, you're my employee. You have to do this. It's just like the expectation is different when you go into a job and they tell you, Hey, do X, Y, and Z. Like you typically do those things, not because they're going to make you successful, but because they're going to make you not get fired. Right. Sure. Like you're going to you keep your job. 
Yeah. <laughs> you're going to yeah. keep your job if you do what your boss tells you to do or your sales manager or whatever else. And so they do those things. Maybe they do them to be successful. Maybe they do them, you know, because they're told to do them and they're, they're you know, they, they're just kind of checking the boxes, but inevitably it leads them to success and the turnover is a lot lower. And, um, you know, I just have been able to eliminate a lot of barriers for agents, you know, getting started. I mean, I had an agent make $147,000 last year or something, $140 something thousand dollars net take home pay. And, um, you know, this is, it's, it's still very rewarding, right? Like, I mean, this person came in not ever selling Medicare to, you know, getting on the phone and they have inbound calls and, you know, a structure and, um, you know, a lot of people need structure. They just don't like it. And so they don't, they don't ever apply structure in their own life and discipline and all of these things that, uh, you know, kind of go to the wayside when you're working for yourself, right? Well, if you're, if you're not I would successful. say that discipline is like your middle name though. I, so in my phone, I'm going to tell you, I don't know if you remember this, but you were, your, your contact was forwarded to me from Dakota mm -hmm. and you are still in my phone as Brad, the healthcare hustler. So like, <laughs> All that to say, you just know a thing or two about health insurance, which is why I thought you were the perfect guest to talk about it. Just like, so that's, that's like the nitty gritty of what we do, but like healthcare in America, I think yeah. I say at least a hundred times a week, healthcare is broken in our country. Absolutely. Right. So, I mean, you believe that, right? Like we get to see I do. all sides yeah. of it. Yeah, so, I, I absolutely do. And I'm glad that we're we're clarifying here because I'm like, are we talking healthcare? I didn't know how deep you wanted me to go to insurance because, um, you know, you know how I talk about insurance. Insurance sucks. I just make it suck a little bit less. Yeah. Or are we talking about healthcare? Because you and I both know when we're talking to clients, they're like, oh, I don't have healthcare. Well, no, you have healthcare. I mean, you, there's a doctor around the street or around the corner from your house. There's a hospital in your in your city, I'm sure. So you have healthcare. What you mean to say is you don't have health insurance, right? And those are right. two different things. So Health insurance, I think, is a little bit broken as well, um, but healthcare is absolutely broken. And what's funny about the conversation we're having about healthcare, I joked with you. I said, I don't know what what I'm going to talk about. I don't know anything about healthcare. Um, I, I I truly, there's a lot to know there, right? So I, you know, in in when you're talking um, relative to how much some people know about healthcare, I'm not an expert, right? And I'm I'm willing to admit that. But through the Medicare call center and through some relationships and through some, you know, just kind of recent happenings, I've been learning an awful lot about healthcare. Um, and it's good because I think that, you know, to really understand the the entire system that your client is dealing with, you, you certainly have to learn a little bit about the healthcare side and not just what your sales leader told you to make more sales about how it's supposed to work or what you're, you know, what you learned from uh, whatever company that you're affiliated with about healthcare, but like from the actual healthcare providers, like how much of the information that you and I have heard through sales leaders and organizations and such is kind of regurgitated uh, from manager, sales manager, sales manager, sales leader, sales leader, that's not directly coming from the source, source like a healthcare provider. So I've been spending a lot more time with healthcare providers, um, you know, ex-CEO of a hospital here, local, um, is is more than likely coming on board with the Medicare call center, kind of the business development realm. She's introduced me to a bunch of providers and doctors' offices, and I'm like learning their language and their lingo and what they have to deal with. And um, it definitely is applicable to what we do every single day. So I'm sure that the audience that's listening to this can pick up a few nuggets here and there from from both of us. But um, 
it is important to indicate, like you said, we're dealing with a broken system. So there's imperfection in the system that we're dealing with. And some things are, you know, um, kind of have to deal with for lack yeah. of a better. So healthcare in general, do you think it's a privilege or a right? Good question. I mean, I definitely think it's a right, right? Health, yeah. basic healthcare is absolutely a right. I wonder if your answer would have been different before you moved into like the social insurance, Medicare side of things, because it wouldn't, you no, think everybody it, it, should have access. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's a basic human right. Like, I mean, um, you know, uh, freedom of speech is a basic human right, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to get slapped with a bun bunch of lawsuits if I exercise that right to the fullest extent that I possibly can. Now, the difference is if, if I'm uh, exercising that right, but I'm a billionaire and then I get slapped with a bunch of lawsuits, I got freaking defense attorneys, you know, like out the wazoo here to help me I'm out. Retainer. So, so there's a difference between the basic human right and then, you know, the exercising that fully. I mean, healthcare for sure is a, is a, is a right, right? I mean, it's, it should be a right for the basic emergency, you know, th that type of stuff, but there's well, also who's dollar. Well, I mean, we're not talking about the financial aspect of it, right? Like it is, I believe it's a human right, mm -hmm. right? We should all have the right to good health care. I'm not saying it should always be free. I'm not saying it should, you know, how do we fund it? That's a whole different conversation. But then I think, you know, when you look at the, um, what was the other term you used? Was it a right or is it a privilege? A privilege. Um, the privilege side of it is obviously, you know, the the better the insurance plan you have, the the more people you know, the, you know, I mean, it's just like anything in life, the, the better connected you are, the better health care you're going to get. Do I, do I agree with that? No. Or the better but, funded you are, because I think that the wealthy definitely skip the queue. They move ahead, sure. they have better access. But, you know, 57% of Americans believe that the government should provide health care to all citizens. 40% do not, which I, I, Somewhat I feel like my answer reflected that data. Like I kind of was on both sides of the fence and, and yeah. that's funny because. Well, so I would, ex I think I would expect it to be a higher percentage don't. And maybe it's just because I live in Texas because it's definitely a political issue, right? Where mm -hmm. people are very one side or the other. And I get to hear a lot of people who don't think that the government should have any hand in it. Um, but, you know, 53% of Americans think that healthcare should be private, not government run. And I think I am one of the 53%. I think all I think, the Americans- I think I am too. I, yeah. think, I think I am too. And I'm gonna kind of change my answer and back up a little bit because I feel like you asked a question with very little context on purpose. It was almost like a trick question, but not really. Maybe and well. <laughs> like, is it a right to healthcare? Absolutely. Like, I mean, every human, regardless of their own financials, you know, situation should have a right to be revived if they're dying or to like go to the emergency room if their limb is chopped off, you know, like, I mean, yes, there's a, there's a aspect of it that should fall under your basic human rights. Um, you know, beyond that, beyond keeping you alive, beyond, you know, stabilizing you beyond all of that stuff. I mean, I, I don't, I'm, that's, that's tough to say, but I do believe it all should right. be privatized and it should, I mean, there's, there, there, are things and programs in place, but it's no, I mean, I was, I had a, a veteran organization on the podcast the other day. They, they deal with veteran affairs and 
help get, uh, you know, veterans retroactive dollars for if disabilities and things like that, that they qualified for, but they got stuck in the bureaucracy of it. And, you know, if it's happening uh, to veterans that, I mean, the, one example was like the guy lost his whole finger and there's like a percentage scale. Like if you lose like this knuckle and this knuckle, you get like 30% disability benefit or whatever. If you lose the whole finger, it's 50%. I'm just making these up, but clearly he had lost his whole finger and that he was only getting the 30%. So he went and saw this, uh, you know, guy we had on the podcast, who's an attorney who kind of fights these cases for them. And he's like, clearly it was, you know, completely off. And when I talked to the VA, they're like, well, how do we know it wasn't in, uh, taken off completely after the fact? And he's like, well, because the medical records from the original surgery show that this knuckle, this knuckle, and this knuckle were removed. Like, here's the medical terms for these knuckles. Here's the chart that shows they were removed. Clearly it was removed. They go, okay. And they stamped it, you know, approved. Here, here's your 50% disability. Now, if it happens in some sort of like obvious, simple scenario like that, of course, it's going to happen in your everyday, you know, healthcare situations as well. Like the bureaucracy of it is, is the difficult part. So privatizing it, I'm, I'm just giving you a long answer, but I think privatizing it keeps it from uh, becoming a, you know, a, a big bureaucracy. So, I mean, I think that I would say my belief is it, it's kind of a marriage of the two, right? Like, so, you know, the the marketplace and the the, health, the exchange is definitely the government's hand in insurance. And then you've got the, pri the private side of things that it, it gives people an alternative to the marketplace. And to me, that's probably how it should be. That's kind of always how it has been. We're kind of at a place where it's being threatened now, right? Like they want to essentially do away with the private side of things and they want to push everyone to the marketplace. I think we just, because of because we're America and we're all about choices and freedoms, we mm -hmm. should have a choice in it. So, you know, I don't necessarily want the government to be the only one that gets to decide what we can have as our healthcare. And I think that that's where it gets a little bit dangerous because it's hard to give a blanket solution for everyone. Right. And that ain't, that ain't even the Texas in you saying that either. That's just the American in you. That's I mean, the I, American I think... in me. Cause I'm a, I'm a Missourian like by trade. Oh, so oh, like, yeah. So like, it, it's not, it's just like seeing it. And, and right now, I mean, you know, my personal journey, like I am on a marketplace plan and it's been super helpful in my situation and all of the treatment that I'm having. And I, I do think that there are more, there's more stuff that we'll talk about, like how they price things out is so absurd. Um, I mean, just in, in from September to December of last year, there was probably 50,000 plus dollars worth of claims charged to my insurance for treatment that I had over the end of the year. Like that's kind of insane. Right. right. I'm, you know, and so I am one who I, I don't think that the marketplace should go away. I it, There's absolutely a purpose for it. I'm appreciative of it. And I think what's interesting to me is that, you know, 53% of Americans say that it should not have, the government shouldn't have their hand in it. Yet 37% of Americans have Medicare or Medicaid, exceeding $728, $728 billion in expense in 2021 was the statistic. So I think it's one of, I, I say all of that to say, I think it's one of those things that people have a hard opinion about until they need it. And then mm -hmm. it's like a whole other story, right? Once you start to see how those programs help people, you feel a little bit differently about them. 
Yeah, or until yeah, either that or or until they're you know educated on the topic. I mean, if if you and I weren't in insurance, I mean, we wouldn't be too concerned with healthcare unless we were going through something, unless in, we were yeah. in the middle of the hospital, right? Like, and sure. like there has to be a situation where it, this comes, you know, uh, you come face to face with it, and then you're like, oh, okay, I see the issue. Uh, one example I can think of would just be something as simple as you know. Um, like having a procedure done and, but, but with no insurance, like I think the people with people that don't have insurance get the uh, best glimpse at what our healthcare system could be if it was a little bit more privatized um, with like transparency and pricing and things like that. And of course we're trying to do more on that, um, you know, on that one issue alone is just having more transparent and, and, you know, fixed prices um, however, like if you're a cash payer, right, going to a, a provider of any sort, um, you know, you, you have some wiggle room, you have some negotiation and they will tell you, you, you got a price sometimes, but they will give you a price prior to you having a procedure done, right? Like, you know, I got to get a colonoscopy, let's say I don't have to get a colonoscopy, thankfully. But um, you should, what a good time. Just kidding. Oh, God, I've like, never had one. I have no idea. I, I need some more. I need. I, I think I'm. I think I'm too young for one of those things so far. So, um, that's a good problem to have. But you know the, you know colonoscopy, for instance, right? That's the first one that came to mind. My sales manager just recently was hospitalized and and had some. You know, he's all good and and thankfully he's a, a specimen of health. He just had this weird little scare, but they had to do a colonoscopy. So that's right on top of my mind. And you know, if if I was to have one done and I called this provider. I said, hey, I'm a cash payer. You know, it, it is what it is. They can give me a price on the colonoscopy. Now they can't give me a price on it. What if they find something and they have to do, you know, further procedure, or whatever? But like, they can give me a price on it. If I call another provider, they're going to give me a different price. I'm sure. Now the difference comes into into play when you have insurance, right? And and let's say you're on a plan that doesn't have a copay for that procedure, right? It's going to be billed to your insurance. So like the provider is going to say when you ask them, Hey, what, what is going to cost me to have a colonoscopy done? Right. They're going to say, well, do you have insurance or not? If you say no, more than likely you can get a price out of them. Right. You, again, you may have to pry. Um, it's tough, but if you say you have insurance, it's like, Oh, well, we have no, we, we don't know. We would have to bill your insurance. And then we would come back to you and let you know what you owed us. It's like, that doesn't make sense. Right. But why is that? Why are they doing that? Like, why does that happen? Do you know? Because they get more money if they involve insurance, 100%. Right, because they're going to bill the insurance for as much as they possibly can get through the insurance 100%. company. And then they're going to balance bill the client for the remainder, right? Or if, they, if, the, if the insurance doesn't pay enough or the copay or what have you. And so they're not going to... Um, you know, they're not going to, uh, to shortchange themselves on the amount that they, they can get. Now, the other issue is like, are they not worth that? I mean, is it not... Is, it, is that not like... Fair. I mean, these people are healthcare providers. Should they be making a ton of money? Absolutely. Like they're they're keeping America healthy. Um, you know, hopefully that's the goal, right? Um, not just kind of troubleshooting ailments, but keeping us healthy and away from those ailments. But that doesn't it shouldn't be at the expense of you know the consumer, right? So I don't know. I'm I'm torn on the whole thing, but I know as like a cash payer in a lot of circumstances for me personally kind of catastrophic coverage in place for the what ifs. And then, you know, when I go to the doctor, hell no, I don't have insurance. I got no insurance. I need to, I need the lowest cash price I can negotiate. So. Sure. But, but the, the part of that is like, 
we are in this industry, so we know the tricks. But the sad thing is like the average person doesn't know all this and they they don't want to spend the time or the inconvenience of doing it some of these ways. And it's it's really kind of dirty by the providers because oftentimes to your point, when you say there's insurance involved at all, they won't even consider not billing it through your insurance. Right. It's not, right. it's no longer an option. We know you have insurance, therefore we're going to bill it. And it's because they can, you know, ratchet the price up a ton. And that, that is to me, if someone asked me what was the most broken part of our healthcare system, that's it right there. It's that there, there's not any um, standard for what things can cost and anybody can charge whatever they want. And don't you think we should just have like, you know, online shopping for it, like Amazon, like just go on Amazon and order up a colonoscopy, you know? I mean, maybe not to that because because I, I order way too much stuff off of Amazon, <laughs> for that example. But I mean, no, I, I- You're not going to load your cart full of colonoscopies. It's fine. Not, you know, I, I've never had one. Like I said, I mean, it might be good to get all cleaned out, but like, it, you know, it's just to me that that is the most broken part of it is that there's not any say in, if, if the government wants to be involved, to me, that's where they should be involved, right? Is is yeah. in mandating what can be charged and just period, there's a price. Every oncologist for this treatment, it's this cost. Um, and you know, and and for providers, so much of what they make is tied into the medications that they prescribe. Like they make, um, I don't know how true the statistic is. It was something that in my journey, someone said to me along the way is that, Providers make 73% of their income off of the medication that they prescribe, which is terrifying. I mean, that's wild, right? And it explains why you go to a doctor and they start you on a Vyvanse before it had a generic option, right? Versus giving you an Adderall that you can get for like 10 bucks or whatever. But if, if that's dictating the care that we get, that's also a little bit scary, right? I I have to look that statistic up because that's just uh, sounds wild. I know I have not verified it. Crazy. Someone said it to me, but it also didn't shock me, like knock me out of my chair. Like there, there's no way that that's true because it sure feels true. I mean, it just it just uh, the the quick Google search just says that it's you know illegal for them to receive financial benefit in in reward for prescribing, but that doesn't mean there's not a loophole, right? That doesn't. Do you mean not think not that they around. do? Do you not feel in your life? Like that statistic feels true. Not that it is. I have no it idea. Like it's not true. Different. It, it feels, feels true for sure. I just, I just avoid doctors. I mean, and even when I talk to clients, I'm like, you know, they're like, oh no, I'm, I'm, you, you, you have any doctors that you see regularly or anything like that? And, and people often say like, no, no, I'm, I'm pretty healthy. I, I rarely go. I said, yeah, you're, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not, not going because you're healthy. You're healthy because you're not going. <laughs> like, right. Because you, know you have no idea. You don't right. know. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just turning a blind eye, but like, you, you, know, don't you know. know, when you don't feel good, right? Like, you know, when you're not completely a specimen of health, but I think avoiding doctors, you know, obviously we got to get tests and scans and things like that when it's age appropriate, we've got to stay on top of, you know, women's health and things like that. But there are certain things like, you know, uh, certain, uh, there's a certain limitation to it as far as, you know, get your blood work done, get your basics done. And then, you know, stay the heck away from doctors if you're healthy for the most part is, is how I feel. Except that, you know, that that brings up a point, like even the age appropriateness 
of these, you know, preventative things that we're asked to do are kind of really falling by the wayside as time goes on, you know, like obviously I've done a ton of research myself on cancer just because of my current situation and that people are getting younger and younger. Like the, the, the people that are diagnosed with cancers under the age of 40 has increased, you know, exponentially in the past decade because of all these environmental factors is my guess. But so it's almost like you can't really put an age on this stuff anymore. Um, because of, it's because of red 40 and because of, um, you know, like all the crap in the foods we eat, right? 100%. Well, I mean, every, like all of our, you know, if you animal protein, it's all injected with um, hormones, which hormones are cancer feed and cancer feeds off of hormones. If you eat vegetables, it's, you know, twice as expensive to buy organic and to know that it wasn't touched by a pesticide. But even if there's a pesticide that ever affected the soil, you know, it's just like, I've also heard that organic, organic just means that they have less than eight pesticides used or something like that. There was a number, it was like five or six or seven, but like, they still use it. I, I don't know. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I'm not like, it's kind of depressing to get really into that stuff. You know what I mean? Like the more I look into it, the more I'm like, who are you telling? Yeah. You know, Wild. like it's like, dang. And so you kind of, you kind of just like, I don't know, you do what you can. Right. But I have to just say this real quick, because if you're like, if someone's listening to this or watching this or, or hearing this or whatever, and they're like, these two people don't know what the hell they're talking about with healthcare. It's like, yeah, you're right we don't we don't but the scary thing is is we know like probably 70 80 percent more than like your average yeah, person sure. and we're still uneducated about it you know what i mean like that it would it would be a full-time job for me to you know study this healthcare system and and you know transparency and pricing and you know uh medicare and medicaid fraud waste and abuse and of course we go through classes and trainings and things like that but like to really really understand it at a uh you know, national level. I mean, that's, it's, it's a, it's a freaking mess for sure. I don't know that anyone would know. It, you know, it's interesting to me, clients will say like, I'm going to ask my doctor, my provider about this billing. And I'm like, that is the worst. That's like me, you asking me how to like surgically remove your gallbladder. Like they don't, <laughs> yeah. they don't have any idea Right. And they don't, they don't have anything to do with the billing part of it, you know, but people just, it's also muddy. But they definitely like, know what insurance carriers they're billing the most and making the most money from. Trust me, it's on a spreadsheet somewhere in their back end of things. So if you're asking your provider for the best insurance plan or advice on insurance or any of that stuff, they're going to give you the name of the insurance carrier that pays the most claims to their practice, right? It would be like, who's your best customer? Um, and you know, like, I mean, if you're running a retail store, or a bar, right. You got like a regular, it's coming in there all the time. Like, who's your best customer? Like, you know who that person, is. Um, this guy spent 10 grand at the bar last year, you know, buying shots and drinks. It doesn't mean it's the best carrier. And <laughs> correct. you know, the, the sad thing about health insurance in our country is that people think premium equates to paying nothing when you go to the doctor. And that's not even reasonable. Like you're always going to have out of pocket, um, and that's how people judge their plan is how much did I come out of pocket? That doesn't necessarily mean it's the best plan, but I digress. Yeah. I digress. Yeah. So I, I do think as far as your other world, the, the Medicare world, I, you know, I think it is interesting to know 
that um, Medicare is that less than 1% of people over the age of 65 have Medicare because of the way that that program is structured compared to the marketplace, the under 65 government run program. So they've done something right there, but say that again, say that again, because I said you said it backwards or I heard it backwards less Less than one percent don't have coverage because that are over oh, okay right 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 okay i thought you were saying less than one percent have it i'm like no 99 have I'm like i'm pretty sure we insure one percent of the population by now, so 99 percent so of participants over the age of 65 have medicare because something right has happened with that program but at what cost because i mean we had the other statistic that was 728 billion dollars between medicare and medicaid so I, I yeah, you, know, you can you can look at it from that perspective and say something right is going on, or you can look at it from um, the perspective of you know we it's only going to be going right through twenty twenty seven, and then we we don't know how we're funding the program anymore. Like like gen like our government has no clue how they're going to continue fund funding the Medicare program, Medicare Advantage more specifically after 2027 like the funding that we had projected and 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 budgeted for it, it like runs out 2027 and so there's going to be some you know changes or whatnot but what you're referring to is is original medicare you know because original medicare is um you know part a part b right so you turn 65 you enroll in and, and you know i think uh they tried to do something similar with aca with you know penalizing people for not having it um if you turn 65 and don't properly delay your part b like if you're working and you're 66 67 which is becoming more and more common you, and you have like an employer sponsored health plan you can delay your part b premium so you haven't necessarily signed up you're over 65 but you haven't signed up for your part b yet because it would cost you money and you're not going to use it. So you delay it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, once you retire, you can now opt into part B. So you're paying a premium for part B. Um, I think it's like $176 this year. Uh, it's bad. I run a Medicare call center. I don't know, but I'm just not like in the you're sale every day. On, yeah, on the um, I think it's $176, but the, um, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that they have a system. I mean, and also like when you're turning six, when you're 63, 64, like you're starting to get educated, educated about it. I mean, you know, I give the government the benefit of the doubt a little bit on the fact that they rolled this out. It, it required a whole lot of education. I mean, I don't know if you ever did the background in, in, into it, but like, you know, when they rolled out the ACA, they had like, a, there was something as crazy as a program for barbers and hairstylists that would get, um, they would basically be like certified to, to be a navigator in the healthcare exchange. And, and because they have people in their chair that they can talk to every day about it. So they like grassroots, you know, tried to like oh. do that. And, and now this could work over some time and, and it could be fixed and, you know, or, or fixed up a little bit, at least. I don't think it's a perfect solution, but, um, you know, one way or the other, the point we're talking about is the government meddling in healthcare and, you know, it, it caused a whole lot of confusion. Um, and, and, you know, it takes time to clear up that confusion with Medicare. I think it's been exist in existence for so long that now people are used to when they turn 65, they know they go on Medicare, you know? Um, but we rolled this Obamacare ACA out, just bam, like it's, it's here and with very little actual education and such. So that's well, it's been a decade now. I mean, this is the 10th year, right? What's so, that? Oh, yeah, yeah. For the ACA. Right. 
So it's not new. It seems like it's here to people, you know, I love it. People call it Obamacare. People call it Biden care, <laughs> whatever. It, it's still here. And I don't, I don't foresee it going away. It seems like they're trying to strengthen it at this point. So question, do you think that undocumented citizens oh or undocumented aliens, whatever the correct term is, do you think that they should have health care and that Uncle Sam should pay for such health care, said health care? Uh, no, I mean, the obvious answer would be no. I think they're human beings. And I think it goes back to, you know, the human right would be, you know, stabilize, uh, uh, like, you know, get them to not die. Um, and then stable, shove them out the door and then get get them back to their country <laughs> right like okay. I, I mean I, I just it's it, like it may sound harsh I don't I don't know you know the full extent of that and how how that shakes out but I mean it just seems like it would be the practical answer like well like it's expensive I can tell you Texas um pays between yeah, probably the highest 62 and 90 million dollars to um help to pay for illegal aliens on medicaid which yeah, that's crazy. is a lot of money right how, I mean, I just, how you can you get on time. how can you get on medicaid as a illegal alien because that means you're not a citizen so how you're on medicaid well, you, I mean, that's that's so the whole thing that's mind-blowing there there are definitely well you so you can't get on the marketplace which you would automatically get kicked to medicaid and there are different requirements for medicaid it's just a looser criteria than the marketplace, which is crazy. also really interesting, right? Um, and I don't know how I feel about this one. I, you know, I do think that we have a responsibility to every other person to help where we can. Um, but I, you know, definitely feel the higher tax part of it, or you know, my premium on an exchange plan that I pay full price for because of income is you know five hundred plus dollars a month. Because right. I'm essentially paying for the people that are not paying for it, right? So that yeah. part that stings a little bit. Or even just your tax dollars, right? Like it, I mean, well, and your tax. Who cares about your pre? It's your premium, your tax it. dollars. Like any anywhere you're, you know, shipping off money to the government. Like it, it's it's like you know, you've you've given your kid money to go to school and buy school lunch, right? So like you'd be pissed if you gave your kid three, four bucks, like, yeah, go buy, you know, you get, get yourself a pizza today. You had a great week. And then they bought like candy from the gas station or something. You're like, no, I didn't say buy candy. I said buy your lunch, you know, like that's right. just an improper use of your funds. And so any money that you're giving to the government and then that you find out like, oh, they're backdooring this 60, $70 million to illegal aliens in healthcare, like could that be cut to 10 million if we're like stabilizing, doing what we need to do, getting them back to, you know, where they came from essentially. Um, and that's, I mean, that, like I would feel that way about anything. Like if, um, if my kids had a friend over to our house that was playing with them and he got hurt, like we would bandage that kid up and we would take care of that kid and we would get them back to who's responsible for them, which is their parents. Right. So, and you know, I don't know, man, maybe, maybe if that kid's parents, I knew were like bad parents. So if we're sending them back to a country, that's not taking care of them, I guess that's where the response, that's where it's a tough, tough call to make. And I'm fortunate well, and then, that I'm not the one making it. Objective. It, right. So like, you might think that country is bad. I might think it's 
fine. There are parts of this country that are bad. So it's all just so subjective at that point that I don't know what the answer is. I know that morally there's an answer and as a taxpayer, there might be another, but it's definitely tricky. And I think I feel it more here just because of where we are. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, cause that's a big, $90 million. Thing. I could do a lot of Amazon ordering with 90 million. <laughs> I could order a lot of colonoscopies with 90 million. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I think, I think it comes down to, we, we definitely have a responsibility to take care of our own first. So, um, you know, I guess the political answer to that question would be, you know, assuming that our, our own citizens are 100% taken care of and there's no, you know, brokenness in the system, you know, hey, we got a great system. It allows us uh, to work out of an abundance and take care of people that are here illegally. Great, but that's not the, that's not what we're talking about, right? So I don't know that that will ever be our reality. I, I, it would be very tough. It would be that would be very difficult. I don't know that it will either, but I'm not a pessimist like you, so I'm just optimistically. I'm, so, I'm super. <laughs> okay, so then universal healthcare, because this is the other thing that comes up all the time. People will say our government should just pay for all of it. Mm -hmm. I think there are pros and cons to universal healthcare, but I'm also not moving to Canada. So like, what are your thoughts? Do you think the government should pay for all of it? Yeah. I mean, I just, I just think I know this, these questions on a very surface level. I mean, I, especially being an in insurance, right. I talk to clients that are, you know, from Canada and they've moved here and now they're securing healthcare health insurance in the United States. And you know, the natural question for me as, as an inquisitive, uh, open-minded person is going to be, you know, so tell me like you're in Canada, they got kind of a private or a, like a, you know, a social, the kind of social medicine type vibe there, right? Like, I don't know anything about Canada's healthcare system. I just know that it's, there's more government involvement. And then they tell me like, ah, it's, you know, it's not great. Like if you really, I mean, like, yes, it's, it's more affordable and, and whatnot, but like, if you really need treatment and you need to see the doctor, like you can be on a waiting list for a year, you know, or like you talk to some anywhere there's universal healthcare. I think that's the, the biggest thing is like, well, even where there's universal healthcare, there's still problems. A, a, a problems. Yes. And mostly with, uh, I mean, common sense tells me if I'm a doctor and I'm going to school, um, I can take care of the people that are being funded by the government and, and have, you know, there's the margins are uh, much lower or I could start a private practice. And, and I don't know if this is even allowed in universal healthcare systems, but I believe that there is some sort of that going on. Um, you know, I could start a, a practice that services more people that have privatized healthcare or supplemental healthcare, because most of the common responses I've got to asking questions to people that have come from countries with universal healthcare is like, yeah, but most people that can afford it still have some sort of supplemental plan to, you know, kind of give them a ticket to the front of the line. Yeah. Which, so that that's the biggest con or one of the cons that's listed always everywhere I could find was um, that access to medical resources is more difficult um, and that there are longer wait times for basic care because of these just everybody can get it. And absolutely. that there are lots of people who don't necessarily need they, like there's a either your hypochondriacs that go for everything because there's no cost to it. They don't, they're not weighing what's happening with them with, should they actually seek care where I think we have the opposite problem here, right? People will say, it's going to cost me so much. Every time I use my plan, I find myself not going 
sometimes when maybe I wanted to. So there's got to be like some sort of happy medium oh, there. Man, that's that's me to a T, whether I whether I can afford it or not. I, I'm like, my kid's got an ear infection. I'm like, you know, and what's funny, here's another odd thing. I, I don't know if you pro vaccine or pro vaccinations, not vaccine, but pro or con or whatever. But like, you know, we're talking about the healthcare system and, you know, it's hard to trust the healthcare system when you have all that stuff going on or had all that stuff going on. But my kid has an ear infection and he goes to the doctor. We, we go to a, a special doctor's office because it's like one of the only ones in town that will work with us as a patient with kids that are non-vaccinated, not COVID vaccinations, but like, you know, all the other vaccination they give you that, you know, aren't, aren't, I don't know, aren't really all that necessary. I don't think, um, probably get some feedback on that one, but who cares? So my wife has done the research and I trust her, but, um, you know, we, we, we didn't do the vaccinations with our youngest. And so, and we did only a couple with our oldest before we were educated on it, or she was educated on it. And so long story short, we have to go to this specific doctor. It's like an urgent care. So it's 150 bucks when we go. Uh, not through insurance. They don't, they don't uh, accept the insurance that we're on anyways. And I would, even if they did, I would probably pay cash. It just makes more sense. And so he gets an ear infection, send him to the doctor, he gets a prescription, comes home, you know, takes the whole prescription, like a week after the prescription is done, he says his ears hurting again. And I'm like, crap, man, we got to go back to this another 150 bucks, you know? Um, obviously we went and thankfully we did because he got a stronger prescription. It's all good. But you know, if I'm somebody else, or if, you know, like that, you know, if you're, if I'm not fortunate to be able to afford that second visit or whatever, like people are going to avoid or hold off or, you know, and then it, 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 it causes further problems, right? Like they said, if we didn't bring him in that second time, his eardrum was swelling and his eardrum could swell to a point where they would have to do some procedure. Right. Sure. And that like, sure. how, that could very well happen with, uh, you know, someone who's worried about the cost of going into the provider. You know, I, and vaccines are like a, a great topic, honestly, because the cost that they run for vaccines is so wild. Like if you let it run through insurance, I remember for my daughter at her four year, cause four years, you get a lot of vaccinations. It's, I think it's three, but one of them is a combo. So it's like, it's like a lot they're doing to your kid. Which, which sounds wonderful, right? A combo yeah. vaccination. We're going to just put a bunch of little mini viruses in for your sure. kid. For sure. So if, if we had not had insurance the cost would have been over $400, no, $900, sorry, $400 in admin fees, over $900 for these vaccinations if we had not had insurance. And you can go to the county or your state or whatever, the health department yeah, and get these right. things for like 15 bucks, right? Like they're, they're just not expensive. I don't know if I would vaccinate. Like if I had kids now, I don't know that I would make the same choices. I think I was a young parent who was like barely felt qualified to be a parent. Like a lot of people well, do. It's, and the, it's the awareness of it now too. I mean, you look at like, um, you look at like Joe Rogan and, and um, some, uh, I think it was, uh, it was um, like, what's his name? MF CEO guy, uh, whatever, a couple of like, you know, influencer type people have, have come out publicly and saying they got, got off SSRIs, right. Which is like, you're, um, you're like, uh, selective serotonin reuptake. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There you go. Um, but what's the name of one of those? Give me an example of the name of one of those. Um, like, like, uh, like all of your antidepressants, all of your, like, uh, give me the name of one. Um, yeah, there you go. But there's another Lexapro. one. Lexapro. You, you nailed it. Right. Okay. So a lot of, a lot of people take Lexapro and 
what's funny is like through the through the issues that we've seen in the healthcare system recently with you know big pharma and things like that you know like that's kind of caused them to take a closer look at the medications they're actually taking and they've recently gotten off of them and like that's freaking i mean thank god i've never been on that um but i can't and i just couldn't imagine being on something that's like hey this is just to level out your mood so you're not too happy and you're not too sad you're just like kind of robotic through life and i'm like that doesn't sound good to me you know you know i i think that so i tend to believe that like a, a combination between eastern and western medicine is probably the way to go but the issue in our country is that doctors go to school to learn medicine and to learn prescribing things. Right. And I, I think, but I think like you, you break a bone. Yeah. It, Western medicine all the way. Like, I mean, what are you going to do? You're not going to take some um, essential oils and rub it on your broken bone. Right. Like, <laughs> like it is, it does have a place, but I think, you know, we do overprescribe. I, you see that in your job as much as I see it in mine. Um, but there are times like, you know, where, I think to me, the bigger concern is not taking Alexa pro, but taking Alexa pro for the rest of your life is scary. Like, yeah. not, like taking it when you're, when you're in a season that requires some additional help makes sense, but it's like, you wouldn't take an antibiotic forever. Like, you know, like there, most medications should not be, or those types of medications should, that are mood stabilizers should not be. Unless just worry about the addictive characteristics of it you know what i mean like it, sure you could say that but you know it's hard to take uh adderall for a year because you need to well, focus that's, and that's get so more done or... i mean they're both mental health medications okay fine well, let's talk lexapro it's hard to take lexapro for a year while you're depressed and then you know not be depressed anymore and get off of it and then like something happens and you feel it more because you're off of it and so it's like i feel like there's got to be like an addictive characteristic to it I, so i wonder if it's addictive or if it's that doctors don't necessarily because my experience is that doctors don't really necessarily spend the time to talk to you like they're they're really quick to write the prescription and get you out the door but then there's not like the follow-up visit because like for those types of medications you're supposed to see the doctor once a quarter like typically you have to go for maintenance for medication man management, right? Mm -hmm. And they don't necessarily, in my experience, have the conversation to say, what's changed? How are you feeling? Should we dose you down and then try to move you off of it? Like that's not necessary. It's like we check the box and it's fixed. So now we're just never going to revisit it. We're just going to continue to write the script. And that that's the part that feels a little bit wrong about some of those, but I'm not a doctor. Like, I don't know. I just know for me, Sure, there have been times when that might have helped, but I would never, I don't even like to take medication. So I would never want to be on it for like the long haul. Plus, right. like, who the hell can remember to take like a medication every day? I'm just not that girl. Like, I just don't like to be addicted to anything because I'm a control freak. And so if, if it's like, if it's not controlling me or if, if I'm not controlling it, it's controlling me, right? When it comes to something like that, I would feel like. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't like being addicted to anything. And, uh, you know, it's when I am, I'm like, okay, I got to figure out what's going on here. So, and because Fair. I'm a control freak, I, I gotta, I gotta take a little control of your podcast here, if you don't mind, right. From one sure. host to another host. Okay. What you got? How do we, how do we end this on a positive yet informative note? Like what, 
what advice should we have to those that maybe, you know, and, and again, we're not like the most educated on the healthcare system either, right? Like it's not, we're studying it. We're not studying it day in and day out. We just kind of exist in that ecosystem and are, you know, a couple of steps removed from healthcare or one step really removed from healthcare. So we got to get to see a little bit more of it. Um, but what like to your, you know, everyday average person that has no involvement in healthcare, like what do we do to help successfully navigate? What are some of the things that make the most sense if we're making it make sense? I, I think that the the answer is kind of built into the question, right? It's like, if you don't know, before you decide <laughs> or talk on it, you have to learn a little bit more. Because I, I think that most of these issues come in that we we are kind of like sheep. We blind- Is Google people. a safe place? Or um, WebMD or I mean, I think it's it's a combination of looking at multiple sources and having conversation about it, right? I, I mean, Absolutely. I I think you can I could find anything I wanted to on the internet. I could find some place to support whatever insane opinion I had. But I think just being more educated about it or having the conversation or doing your own research is the part that we don't do. We we are sheep. We kind of follow each other. You hear someone else complain about it. And half the people I talk to complain about our system, but because they heard someone else say it, they don't really right. have any idea how it works, it right? It was on the news. Or, right. Or, and, and if you're watching, it's like birds of a feather, right? Like people who are like-minded are going to be where you get your source and just be open to, and make your own decision. It, that that is my advice is that right. when you don't know it's okay and you don't have to be the subject matter expert but lean into it because these things are important and you know especially for someone who's sitting you know on my side of it and i was never like anti marketplace like a lot of brokers can be um i was not i you know i think there's a place for it i think everybody should be covered. And I think preventative care is so important. And that's the unfortunate part for me is that when people are not covered, the thing that falls to the wayside first is their preventative care, right? Yeah. And my, I'm currently, I had a cancer that was diagnosed because of annual like preventative care. Like, so right. if there's anyone who can stand on a soapbox and say like, this is so important, I had no idea. Like, I don't, I'm not sick. I didn't have anything that would indicate that <clears throat> something was wrong besides this preventative check. So like right. one, you have to be covered Two, you have to be educated. You don't have to be the expert, but you got to like lean into the uncomfortable. And before you have an opinion or before you adopt someone else's opinion, you got to do some research and you want to know about this stuff because it is important in your life, whether you realize and it or not just to add to everything you just said, because you stole all the things that I was thinking. For I sure. mean, great minds I mean, think alike, buddy. Great. Minds. I mean, it's, it's like average minds are all going to think those same things though. I mean, they're, they're, it's pretty, it's pretty you common. Need to put, putting us down. We know a thing or two. No, no, no. It's, it's, but it's, it's common sense, but it's just not that common. Like if somebody took the time to think about it, they would, that's, that's probably the answers they would land with. So I'm not discrediting us at all. Um, but what I will say is, you know, taking a little bit more control over, your healthcare, right? Um, I just remember, you know, um, 
like after you do your research, right? So do some do some research, or better yet, let your research be done um, at with with your provider. Like you know, ask questions. So what what are the side effects of this, and what you know, what's the what's the good, what's the bad? Is are there alternatives? Is there you know how how long have you been prescribed this medication, or you know what what is there a holistic treatment that I could try first? Or these questions that like you know if I'm if I'm having some work done at my house or, you know, having some work done on my car or in any other service type uh, of world, I'm going to be like, well, wait, I mean, do we have to replace the whole thing or is there a way to fix it? Like, do I need a new AC system or can we just put a new compressor in there? Is that going to be cheaper or better or like, or, or maybe, you know, whatever. Right. So yes, ask questions and, you know, don't just everything that the doctor is still a human and still valuable and still, you know, leans one way or the other, as far as, you know, opinions on, on certain things. And so, you know, make sure that you're asking those questions and, and you are, um, you know, giving a little pushback when and where necessary. I just, I, I think back to, and this is the only experience that I have actually, uh, like kind of witnessed or, or had, or, so it could be a little biased, but like, I remember in the hospital, you know, us, the second child after we did our research, because the first child, you know, we're just like, holy shit, we just had a kid. Like, we're just so, you know, holy. deer in the headlights. Right. And they're like, you know, you can't leave the hospital. And like, here's this, here's this jab in the leg and this is a vaccination and you don't know what's going on. It's just like, bam, 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 bam. Like every, all, everything's happening. And you're just like, okay, these are doctors, nurses. This is a hospital. This is where people are taken care of. Like, I trust these people blindly. Right it's just kind of crazy. It's the only world that we do that in. So then we had a, a second baby and we were like, no vaccinations, like no, no shots in the hospital. We're good. You know, like baby just went through enough. Like we're not, we're not giving these additional vaccinations. And again, <laughs> I'm not saying that I've done all the research on this, but my wife has and, and ran it all by me. And and we're like, Hey, I agree with you. Like I back you hundred percent that, uh, you know, it's probably best we do things this way or that way. And um, and we got the important stuff done, but the pushback that we got, like, you're not going to do vaccinations. Like what? And it's like, Hey, we're going to leave a day. Or, like, I know that you were supposed to, you want us to stay like another day, but like, we're ready to go. Like, this is our second baby. Like we know the deal. Baby's healthy. Everything's good. Unless you can tell me why I should stay one more night and like, give me a real example. Like we're going to go ahead and head out. Right. And they're like, are you sure you're going to have to sign it? And we're like, yeah, we're, we're leaving. We're going home with our baby and we're not getting vaccinated. And like, this is what we're doing. And like, they look at you like the craziest person ever. And then you go into the doctor's office and the doctor's office is like, okay, so I see you didn't do the vaccination. So, you know, we can see you today, but you, you, you do understand that after one year, um, you know, if your child's not vaccinated, we're not going to see him at this practice, just liability and whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Right. And we're like, Okay, really? So like now we got to go get a new doctor, right? We got to get a new provider because we're not doing the vaccinations. And then you feel like shunned. You're like, dang, am I like being negligent? Like the system is just that, right? It's a system and it really does uh, kind of, you know, have this like, you know, control over the mindset where you're like, hey, man, these are these are doctors and these are like, you know, healthcare practitioners and, and they're not going to they, they they want what's best for me and, and my child and they know what's right and what's wrong. And while that is true in so many cases, why does one doctor say this X and another doctor says Y, right? These are two conflicting pieces of information from two doctors that even sometimes went to the same school and graduated the same degree that have a difference of opinion on something. So that just shows you that there may be 
you know, some truth over here, some truth over here, and maybe the truth lies in the middle or whatnot, but well, taking control you, of your own situation. Always second opinion. That's the one of the first, I mean, we're sheep. I think that goes back to the same, like we're sheep. Like we're, mm. we're trained not to ever question. Stop the putting us down, Lori. Jeez. I mean, we, <laughs> as a, we, as a culture, we, as a society sure. are sheep. Right. And so, yeah, I think that that's, yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel it. I get it. We have aligned thinking on a lot of this. I'm not surprised, but um, I thought we would differ more actually than we did, oh, but man. well, so I know you got to go pick up kids and all of that good stuff. So one last question for you, totally off subject, but like, and it can be about this or it doesn't have to be, but like, if you had one piece of advice to give to your younger self that could ch potentially change it all. So if you knew then what you know now, like what would that piece of advice be? You know what you you had uh, you had even warned me that this was going to be a question that we wrap yeah. up with, and I put like a, a split second of thought into it, and then it, it it left my mind like sometimes happens, and so I didn't really so you, so it is still on the spot, and um, what I would say to my younger self is, you know, put your head down, run faster, run harder, and don't worry what anybody has to say or anybody thinks. Right, like there was definitely years uh in my in my early you know teens in my early you know adulthood in my early uh you know entrepreneurship hood if that's a thing like you know like all of these you know when you're newer when you're just getting started or when you're growing up like you, you still I did anyways I won't speak for anyone else but I, I definitely cared what people thought um you know and and you know slowed it slowed me down and so I would say hey you know, do what you want to do, put your head down, run as fast as you can and put, keep the blinders on. Don't worry what anybody else is doing around you and, you know, look up after a couple of years and you're going to be uh, blown away by where you're at. Cause that's kind of what I'm doing now. Um, which, you know, it, it's taken some years for me to, to feel comfortable and say, you know what, what they're doing is amazing. And I'm so happy for what he's doing over there or what she's doing over here. Um, but that's just not what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this and, and we can all celebrate that together, right? It's not like um, one is right and one is wrong. It's just different. And so I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier about the open mind that I tend to have with things. And, um, you know, I would, I would just encourage me not to, to care so much what other people think. That's beautiful. And what great advice from the healthcare hustler. I mean, really the healthcare hustler, right? you know, that's a good example of me not giving a shit what people think, because I did the whole Brad, the broker. My wife made a joke the other day. Cause she was like, she's like, uh, I think it came up on her Instagram or something. I had a whole, like, you know, I went with the Bob, the builder theme, but I went with Brad, the broker. And it was like construction. It was like helping you build your book of business. Oh, and like, and it was like construction. And like, I've never been a, like, one of my agents described it as like, uh, she was describing somebody else, but she's like, yeah, you know, like he's great. He's, he's like, he doesn't fear saying the things that leaders should say, you know, like those cheesy, corny things that leaders say. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, do I say those cheesy, corny things? She's like, of course you're a leader. Like you're our boss. Like you say the most cheesy, corny things. And I'm like, like what, you know, and like, she gives an example. I'm like, that's not cheesy and corny. That's like real. Like Zig Ziglar says, if you want to achieve you know, the level of success that you want to achieve, then you you start helping others achieve that first, right? Like in order for you to get what you, everything you want, help others get what they want. What they want. And they say right. that, and that's, that's cheesy corny. Like, so I've just never been afraid to, well, I say that I, I got to a point where I stopped being afraid of what people think and it benefited me greatly. 
Um, but it took a long time. It, hey, it took cancer for me to really not give a shit what anybody thought anymore. Like you just don't have time for it. So yeah. to your younger self, tell him that like you just waste so much time worried about what everyone else thinks and that this feels better. I'm sure you feel that it feels better. It, it's exhausting to constantly sure. look around at what everybody else is doing. So, well, let me just say, um, you know, the, the fact that you're bringing that up on the podcast and, the, and hopefully you continue to, because I think your story will inspire so many um, because of your strength and you know, who you are. Uh, it's funny to hear you say you didn't, uh, you, you don't, you definitely don't give a shit what people think now, because I don't think you give a shit what people think before, but um, you know, I'm now nicer about it now. I, yeah, I'm that's good. Like that's nicer. Good. And I really don't. And, and a lot of that was show, right? It was like, you say, and you probably did this too. You say you don't care, but it's because you you're flexing. You really do care right. too much. Right. Now I really, really couldn't give a shit less because there's just no time for it. So well, you can bleep it out if it's a problem, but fuck cancer and you're going to beat the shit out of that cancer. So you're already well on your way. Um, it's pretty impressive to see you. I know that you uh, just started treatments and things and, you know, you uh, you're still glowing. So you're you're rocking it. And uh, I know it's not going to slow you down too much, just like you said about me. Nothing's going to slow me down. But uh, truly, you're you're, uh, you know, the same way. And that's why we get along well. So I appreciate that. Done. And I appreciate you. And thank you so much. And pick up your kids and <clears throat> switch on them for me. And I appreciate you. And we'll talk soon. And everybody do all the things. So you get these updates and you can learn more from the healthcare hustler and go listen to Sarasota speaks because he also has Subscribe. a podcast drops some knowledge. So I appreciate you friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Talk make soon. it make sense. Bye. Bye.